everybody, it's Brian. Thanks for tuning in. If you're ready to buy or sell a home in Pierce, South King, or Snohomish County, please check out John Hurlbutt and his team over at Altitude Homes. John's an old friend and someone I know you can trust. He will also donate $500 to Ben's Fund for every closed transaction. I know how hard it is to find a real estate agent who has your best interests in mind. John can be that guy for you and benefit a great cause to boot. Check them out on the web at altitude-re.com hb. Again, altitude-re.com hb. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. That's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks! everybody, it is Brian Nenhauser, and we are here for episode 56, I believe, of Real Hawk Talk. Welcome, as always, uh, to all the folks joining, um, whether you're on YouTube. Uh, love folks to subscribe. If you haven't already, uh, click the subscribe button. Uh, join and get uh, notifications whenever we go live, with whether it's a Real Hawk Talk show or Cable Thanos produces a new video or... Anything else that we do, uh, you can find it on the, the YouTube channel. Also, we are on Spotify, so find us there um, as well. And then um, SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash hawkblogger, uh, you can subscribe there. Or any of your favorite uh, podcast subscription options, whether it's Stitcher, or iTunes, Google Play, we're, we're kind of everywhere. So it's been a little while, but we got the crew back together. Nathan will be joining us in just a bit, but... Uh, Evan, man, how is your health, dude? I, I hear that, that we've got to do a little health check here because you've been eating enough in and out that your your doctor actually intervened. What, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I, I got a new doctor, obviously, when I moved states and I had some blood work, just routine stuff done. He just wanted to get some stuff on file and he gave me a call the other day and he's like, hey, man, um, you got to stop eating so much in and out. Your cholesterol's kind of high for your age and we legitimately have to put you on some medication and i'm like are you kidding me like my my youth has finally caught up to me and moral of the story don't thrash your body don't spend 500 dollars of in and out in 2.5 months and don't be like me amazing amazing <laughs> uh and and uh as always you can find evan uh on twitter uh at evan on hb uh and you can find our next uh, co-host here, a real Jeff Simmons, uh, on Twitter. How are you doing, Jeff? Oddly enough, I have an injury story too. Okay. Um, it's the most Canadian thing ever, but I actually got injured playing hockey. <laughs> I had a yeah, it's Luke Wilson would understand. And like I had like a head-on-head -head collision. I actually had to go into like the concussion protocol early last week. And like I wasn't allowed to like barely use my phone. I wasn't supposed to go on my computer. I was supposed to like watch TV shows and podcasts, and that was it. So now I kind of have a more respect for what some of these players go through. And I can't. I couldn't believe I had to do some of this stuff, but I caught up on football stuff. 
I listened to a lot of podcasts over two days. Everything's good now. I'm clear. I'm able to eat burgers now. And yeah, I'm okay now. I'm able to do the show. But yeah, that was that was kind of weird. Yeah, I, I, I guess maybe, Jeff, we need to spend some time, quality time, taking pictures of us eating In-N-Out burgers and sending them to Evan. I, I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I have to uh, somewhat apologize for uh, uh, being a week late on our podcast. We were due to be uh, doing the show last week. I had to cancel because uh pulled something in my back. Uh and I don't know, Evan, if you think cholesterol is the, the, the end, man, just just wait. Like, I used to be a full-on stomach sleeper. Like, just that was how I did it. And I've now messed up my neck bad enough and my back bad enough over the years that I can't sleep on a side. I, I dislocated a shoulder. Like, if I sleep in any way other than just flat on my back, I am wrecked. And... uh Unfortunately, I do that occasionally, and that was one of the times that happened last week. So, have you tried tuft and needle? Uh, tuft and needle, like uh, the the mattresses. Yeah, I have not. We've got a Tempur Pedic. It's pretty awesome. Oh man, they have a tuft and needle store. So in, in downtown Seattle, um, probably close to your work. Cannot recommend trying one of their mattresses just laying down. It is an absolute game changer. Sir. All right. Wow, that's that's a that's a solid recommendation. Uh, almost sponsorship level. We might need to follow up with Tough to Needle. They're very affordable too. It's like a king is like six fifty. Seriously. All right. Yeah. Well, I don't know what they can do about my neck, but but uh, in any event, we're back this week. Um, able to to uh, talk about a lot of stuff going on. Like in some ways, it worked out really well, guys. Um, you know, Jeff, where do you want us to get started? Uh, yeah, there's a lot. As you were saying, this time's out kind of better than our usual biweekly break. Um, for those who don't know, free agency opens up a week today. It'll be 1 o'clock Pacific time, 4 o'clock my time. But on Monday, actually, you're able to negotiate with players. So there's a ton of stuff going on right now. Um, I guess starting out, we'll start just the news of the week, I guess, for the Seahawks, and we'll kind of get into all the free agents that We've talked about how things have changed now that we know the franchise tag players. So quickly, before we get into the free agency stuff, just quick thoughts on the Frank Clark thing. Um, Frank Clark was franchised. The Seahawks haven't used that tag since 2010. And well, what was that, Lindo Murray? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah Lindo Murray was the last one to do it. Frank Clark, we had been looking all year. We kind of earmarked him as the guy that Seahawks would tag. So I guess it wasn't a surprise, but what at least what surprised me is when people usually get franchise tagged, they seem pissed off for the most part. Frank, I don't know if this was just me who knows this, but Frank seemed excited. And I know he like retweeted one of Russell's tweets and that sparked me as unique. I, don't, I can't remember a player getting super excited to be franchise tagged. Usually players are bitter. They're going to hold out. Frank was recruiting players on Twitter. And Brian, did that spark you as different or was just a unique situation? I was so thrown off by that. Yeah, I, th I think it was encouraging for sure. Um, you know, you kind of wait to see how the players are going to respond. Frank's been pretty positive all along the way. And I think he and the team know that he's not going anywhere. And 
I think he also did well, and he's not the only one that's in a situation from a defensive end position. He's he's seen DeMarca, Demarcus Lawrence go through this. He's seen other players go through it. Pretty much every defensive end, you know, pass rush other than like Trey Flowers, got tagged, and so. Uh, you know, I think his agents, he's leaving this to his agent. But I like that not only was he tweeting out to Russell, but he's been talking about recruiting other players. You know, he's he's all about staying in Seattle. I don't, I, you know, even when I've talked to him in the past, I mean, he loves it here, but he, he absolutely wants to get paid. Uh, he, he, he celebrates other get, guys getting paid and cheers them on, and he knows that he's working toward that. Um, and I also think that, he's the type of guy that's totally bets on himself. So if anyone thinks that, you know, that was his best season, I think Frank Clark looks at that season and says, I was injured, had two injured wrists uh, and, you know, watch what I do next year. So uh, I think I would say that people's uh, optimism that that it's going to turn to a long-term deal. I don't share that. I think that, I think Frank's unless something breaks in the in the ranks with the de- defensive ends and someone signs and then the dominoes fall, I think he's perfectly happy to go into next season on a franchise tag and push it again uh, the following year and push up his value. Yeah, I mean, I know you've had some irrational fear that they were going to lose Clark because of some of the other free agent mistakes they've made in the last couple of years. Wait, are you, are you sure Evan has irrational fears. Let's hold on a second. No, he he's he's self-admitted this. He said he's the mo- not the most rational fan. But Evans our cap guy. So we need to kind of get a sense of what's going on heading into free agency. So now yeah, that they have yeah. tagged him, does this limit them in any way? Are you excited by this? How does this uh, impact the Seahawks? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think to start us off, uh, it's important to set the context that the Seahawks have till July 15th, I, I believe it is which is the franchise tag um, extension deadline. So they can sign him to a long-term extension up until July 15th. Still, you know, obviously he's under tag currently. No other team can talk to him, negotiate with him, blah, blah, blah. Um, I, I, I do remain hopeful that a deal is going to get done before uh, July 15th. I would lean towards it happening. Absolutely. I, 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 I think just the way Pete and John talk about Frank, He's somebody that they really like and find absolutely essential to the team. You know, the future of that position group. I don't think this is going to be something that, um, you know, the the Seahawks, you know, front office side would walk away over one to two million, you know, discrepancy. Um, I, I think he's too important to their plans moving forward. Um, the one situation I was comparing this to was the DeMarcus Lawrence situation, which is really interesting. Obviously, Lawrence just got tagged also. I'm not sure if you guys saw in the news. Um, Lawrence is like not only not threatening to not show up to uh, camp, training camp practice, you know, OTAs, workouts with the Cowboys. He's also threatening to not get shoulder surgery, which would mean if he delays his shoulder surgery, like he won't be able to play – um, for most of the 2019 season. And, th- and the reason I bring up that situation is just, I think uh, this is a much healthier, positive, ongoing conversation between Frank's agent and uh, the Seahawks front office side of things. So I, I, I honestly, this is pure just intuition. I think it's like a 75% chance they sign him before July 15th. 
I, I really think they're making good progress. JLC um, mentioned that they were making good progress. I, I think this is just one of those things where the deadline came up. They probably have some more stuff to work on, um, but I think they get them signed before July 15th. Yeah, that's pretty optimistic because they want to get him. He's a core player for them. He's one of their leaders for them. So, yeah, I think we're all in agreement. That was a great thing to lock up Frank for the year, especially that he's happy. But I, think, I guess the big story right now, and it's going to be all week, and the buzz was going crazy today, free agency. We'll get into some of the stuff that came out of the combine. Pete and John both talked. It wasn't the most interesting press conferences. I watched both of them. There wasn't much stuff out of there. We'll get into some of the stuff he said on Doug Baldwin, Earl Thomas a little bit later. But free agency is what I want to get into, uh, especially from a Seahawks perspective. There's a lot of interesting names that kind of line up with some of their needs. I got a list of names here that I kind of want to go through. But it's funny, earlier when we were looking at this list, like months ago, the four of us, Nathan's not here right now, we're starting to look at free agents around December when we were kind of planning for the Seahawks. One of the names a lot of us grouped together, so before we get into the Seahawks stuff, one of the names we identified as a free agent we thought would be really undervalued was Tyrell Williams, the receiver. We, the, the four of us were onto something because it seems like Tyrell Williams from speaking with a few people and reading Jason Lackford today is now way out of the Seahawks price range. I think we're not even going to spend time on that one unless I'm wrong about this, but it seems like the Raiders and Colts teams with like $100 million, that's the guy they're going after. So we, congrats to us on that. We hit that spot. Um, so the big name this week right now for the Seahawks is the guy who didn't get tagged, Landon Collins. I think he's the most interesting free agent on the market considering the need for Seattle to get better at safety, his age, and he's probably one of the better players to hit the market in quite a while. So his price is going to be in a loaded safety market, which we'll get into later. His price is going to be interesting. So we'll start with you, Evan. I think he might be the top free agent on your board. Yeah. So Landon Collins, do you think it's realistic the Seahawks can get him, and why? Is it realistic? Mm, yes slash maybe um it would make things a little tight considering they want to extend russell bobby frank and i assume they're going to add some like smaller pieces in free agency they always like to do like the bradley mcdougall the mingo signings that's the thing i always get that i forget every single year with the seahawks Pete carroll is not or john schneider is not a day one free agent signing type of guy. He's like, we, the cap guys say there's like three stages of free agency. The first stage is like, you know, those first three days where all the big ticket free agents sign. The second stage is like day three through like the next couple weeks. And then stage three is like two and a half weeks and on Seahawks love stage two and stage three signings kind of, you know, um, I, I think Bradley McDougal is a great example of, of, of that methodology working out really well for the Seahawks. Um, but back to the Landon Collins thing, uh, the JLC article said he's going to be in like the 12 to $13 million range. Earl is like in the 13 to $14 million range, you know, in terms of cap purposes, a million dollars isn't a, a huge, uh, difference. That's, you know, Two league minimum players at the bottom of your roster. I gotta jump in there for a second though. Do you guys do you guys really see Landon Collins as a twelve to thirteen million dollar player? And do you think that's what he's gonna get? I know he thinks he's gonna get that. We're talking about an in the box safety that that a lot of people thinks a linebacker, and it's coming off a not so great season. Like, 
there's a lot of there's a pretty strong case to be made that he was i'm a landon collins fan but that that one season was the outlier and that he's he is a good player, but he's limited in the types of defenses that he can stand out in. So I, I don't know if I don't know if with all these safeties in the market, if he's going to get twelve or thirteen million. That seems like a lot to me. I do think he's actually going to get that, but if I think the rationale is like if you pay him that money, you're paying on him living up to that potential. Because I, I agree with you. I don't think he's like a twelve million dollar player right now. But you know, in a Pete Carroll system under Pete Carroll coaching. Is it hard to hard to you know disbelieve that he could be that type of player? Well, I mean, I, I definitely I think Pete Pete's defense is definitely safety centric, and he he's shown the ability to maximize pretty much every safety that's come their way. Um, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, they're maximizing Tedrick Thompson uh, for whatever that's worth. But uh, yeah, so I mean, I would love to see him on the team. I, I think I brought him up in our last pod, as a matter of fact, as, as a potential target. And, um, you know, my question is just how much. Um, to me, I don't know. Like, I love that he's 25. I love that he's had a history of making big plays. I love that he's shown the ability to rush the passer, uh, pick off, you know, make plays on, on passes, decent in coverage, he's a good tackler, all those kinds of things. But... I yeah I don't know that I, that I'm ready to to make him the one move um, like that's kind of the if he's gonna be in that price range like that's what you're doing I'm much more interested in looking at some of the cheaper safeties on that list and seeing if you can get a bargain and uh, maybe even one of the older guys um, I I just spend some money elsewhere No I I I agree with you I, I think if if you told me today hard rule hard law the Seahawks were only allowed to spend $10 million in free agency for whatever reason, or 10 to 12 million. I wouldn't throw it all at Landon Collins. I would honestly probably look towards the offensive line and try and hire or hire, try to sign a couple of those um, uh, guards, you know, maybe some of those older guards that are on the market, but I, I'm sure we'll go over them, Jeff, but hopefully that answers your question. Yeah. And I, I think you hit on a good point that, from talking to people, it seems like that's going to be the Seahawks MO is really other than Sidney Rice. They haven't paid that top dollar, like bidding war number one day free agent. Uh, even Ben and April came pretty cheap. That was that day two, day three kind of thing. And guys like Landon Collins, who probably will get pushed up simply because teams have too much money this year. There's more cap room available. And the Colts, for example, they need a strong safety. They got a hundred million and the safety market is loaded. And we'll get into some of those names later, but I think, the names I'm going to get into a little more probably fit Seattle's MO. So like a name like LaMarcus Joyner or Trey Boston or Kenny Vaccaro might fit them a little better. But I think you're right. I think Landon Collins scheme-wise is a great fit, but I think he will be priced out. So if we stick to that day two kind of players who might fall in the market in terms of their season, what do you guys think of Ziggy Ansa, who might be in the line for like a one-year deal? He had a bad year. He has injury issues. And if Justin Houston gets cut as like a guy to pair with Frank Clark, maybe you can get him on a shorter deal. Do you think those kind of guys make sense or are you looking at younger guys? Should we, should we let uh, Nathan get in the mix here? Uh, sure. I'm not super excited about either of these guys though. So um, 
I mean, I kind of like the idea of, you know, given Ansa, the, the Michael Bennett deal, like you talked about, um, uh, if either of these guys end up kind of falling through the cracks on free agency, I, you know, I think they're definitely worth kicking the tires on. Um, but I don't know that these are guys that I kind of want them to, you know, even as like the day two free agent guys, um, that they need to rush out and really aggressively pursue. Do you guys see like a another pass rusher to pair with Clark as a big need, or do you think that's more lined up for the draft based on where the strength of the draft is? Well, my concern is with the tags that, you know, hit all the big players. My concern is that any remaining pass rushing talent currently on the free agent market is going to get massively overpaid. Like I could yeah. totally see Trey Flowers hitting like – something stupid like yeah i think he gets like 17 million yeah if i could i could see him approaching even like 18 or 19. so i i think any pass rusher you sign a free agency is gonna be his value is gonna be over inflated probably by you know like 25 to 30 percent i i just don't unless ziggy Ansah or her clowny i i just I think there's that like elite level talent, and then there's kind of these middle tier guys. It's, it reminds me of the Jamie Collins signing. I I don't know if you guys saw it today. He was released by the Browns um, after the Patriots sent him away last year. This is just we got to be careful in free agency. Like I'm totally cool with paying um, elite talent and paying you know a high price for elite talent, but we we can't. The Seahawks and you know other teams can't get stuck into this. Uh, remaining talent we're gonna just you know unload a dump truck of cash into their backyard type situation i i think that that's not a good idea yeah i agree i, I had trey flowers preston smith and zadarius smith all kind of grouped together as guys who probably get way overpaid i don't even think seattle's in on them because they're gonna get prices that probably don't match them one name that did come up i'm not a big fan of this idea personally but i want to hear you guys thoughts bruce Irvin. I saw Frank was recruiting him on Twitter. Uh, I know he was, he liked some tweet or he retweeted something. I don't see him as a guy they should be getting at his age. I don't think his production has been great. What do you guys think of Bruce Irvin? Does it make sense as a guy you can put as your number two pass rusher or would you rather those snaps go to Martin? What do you guys think of that? I really don't mind it, but again, it's about, you know, kind of, uh, bargain basement shopping, right? If mm -hmm. he's willing to come here for pretty cheap, I think you can look at him as a Mingo replacement and you can see what you can get out of him as a, as a situational pass rusher. And sure, that makes sense. Now, if he's wanting, you know, six, $7 million or something like that, or if, you know, if you're going to be competing with other teams to get him, then, you know, it probably doesn't. Um, I think that's pr true. A lot of this, you know, to go back to like, you know, you just mentioned, several pass rushers, right? There's the Darius Smith, Trey Flowers, Justin Houston, Anthony Barr, Ziggy, Preston Smith. Not all of those guys are getting paid. Yeah. And I'm not going, if I was a GM, I wouldn't be paying the premium to get the one I wanted. I would, I would just sit back and see who it is that falls through and then, and, and look at grabbing that guy. Well, I'll tell you this right now. Mingo has a $5.9 million cap hit for 2019. Mingo does? Mingo does. So I think there's a very high chance um, he gets cut, and Bruce Irvin is absolutely an option for the right price. Yeah. But the Seahawks could cut Mingo and save 
Yeah, I mean, Bruce is, I love Bruce. I mean, I think everybody, every Seahawks fan really likes Bruce. I don't think Bruce is, you know, a, a difference maker where, you know, all of a sudden the defense is going to completely turn around with adding him. And I don't think he's enough of uh, an additional pass rusher to add in there. I think he's a, I think if he's your third pass rusher, I think you're in good shape. If he's your second pass rusher, I think you're struggling. So, um, for the right price, I think he's interesting. I certainly would trade him out for, uh, for that's the Sam we've we've been dealing with the last year, um, and and you know for the cap money that we're spending there, I don't think that makes any sense. But look, I, I mean, I think when you approach free agency, it, it can't just be one player, or another player. It's got to be looking at the position depth, each position. What's the depth of players available? What's the what's the spectrum of talent available? Um, what is your need? Like, do you have a young player that can be given a year or two more to develop if you bring someone older in or do you, are you, is the cupboard bare and you need someone that's going to be there for a while? You know, what's the draft situation at that position? Like all those things factor in. And that's why like, to me, it's almost like you got to look at the safety position first. There's a lot of players there. Right. And you have choices. You've got premium options like Marcus Joyner. You've got, uh, Landon Collins, you've got some big names in there that are going to be young enough and good enough that they're coming in a lot of money. And then you've got some really good players that are older that aren't going to, you know, command quite as much money or as many years. So the, the downside risk is a little bit lower. Um, and, you know, if I look at something like Delano Hill, I'm pretty down on Tedrick Thompson. I don't think that's going to turn around. Um, I'd love to be wrong, but I don't think that's going to change. I'm still not totally convinced Delano Hill can't turn into a, a serviceable player or even serviceable sounds too negative, That Delano Hill can't be a legitimate starting safety. Um, I was really high on him last year and he just didn't really get it until the end. Um, some, some chances. So anyway, I put all those things together and I'm just much more interested in the veteran safeties than I am in either drafting a young one or in uh you know, signing one of those guys to a mega deal. Like I'd rather have Earl Thomas over any of them, but I know that's not going to happen. So um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think guys like Eric Weddle are super interesting. Um, I know he's 34, but do I think that for next year, he can still be one of the top 10 safeties in the NFL and would drastically upgrade the, the backside of that defense? I do like, and I don't think it'd cost much money and you could spend it elsewhere. Like if you could choose between Landon Collins and Roger Saffold, I'm not saying that you're going to pick one or the other. Like I personally would rather go bigger on the offensive line and, and upgrade talent there than, than go cheap there. So anyway, that, that's kind of, that's kind of my perspective. Well, it's interesting you say that because I don't know if you guys heard Pete talk. I think it was with John Clayton last week. He asked him about the safety position. And he raved about Delano Hill and didn't mention Tedrick until he was forced to. I don't know if I'm reading into the things, but to me, that jumped off to me. Um, Is there any hope for the Honey Badger? I think there's too many suitors. I know Bruce Arians wants him back. And I know. I, I thought he was like, I remember texting you about him in like November. Yeah. He's only 26. Is he 26? Yeah. And he loves Russell. So I, I always thought he'd be the perfect oh, reason. Wow. He could play nickel. Before we get into a couple more questions on that, 
one guy all the Seahawks fans were talking about last year was and Dom can sue. I remember when Sherman got cut, they all thought the money was going to go to Sue. His name has not come up anywhere in this free agency talk this week. I haven't heard anything about him. He had a weird year. He kind of coasted all year. And then in the playoffs, he like absolutely dominated. Is that a guy worth double going back in on? I know everyone wanted him last year. Or is it just too old, blocking Puna Ford? What do you guys think of him? Oh, I wouldn't say that he – I mean, I didn't think he really coasted last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he ended up with four and a half sacks, which is the same as he had the year before. He had five the year before that. So, you know, from that perspective, I don't think he dropped off. I don't know about pressures and other stuff, but uh, I, I didn't get the impression that he slowed down. And, you know, I mean, he dominated for stretches in the Super Bowl, so he can definitely still play. Uh, I also don't think that he is blocking a guy like Puna Ford. They are pretty different types of players. Um, so, you know, to just repeat myself over and over again, if he's a guy that falls through the, the cracks and you can get him a little cheaper and, and I don't think you need to go real cheap on him. Like you can still pay Sue a little bit of money um, and, and that'll make sense. So I, I think he's definitely someone that actually makes a lot of sense for this team um, considering that he should be able to play next to Reed really well. He's not really a guy that's going to block Puna in any real meaningful way. Um, he's You think he could slot into that rotation pretty well. Yeah, I mean, uh, and Dominican Sue is not huge on my list. I, I, you know, I'm still more interested to see if, um, I mean, I'd almost be more interested in going after someone like Ansa, who is super risky. But if you can get him on a one-year deal that that is cheaper, and and if he if he comes through. I think the upside's much higher and the downside's lower. Uh, Sue has not been someone who's really signing for cheap. And I, my guess is that he's going to look for more money than I think really matches his his productivity and what he can actually add to the team. So, I mean, I wouldn't be upset to, to Nathan's point if they got him. But, you know, to me, I, I just don't see him being a high priority for what the Seahawks are looking for on the market. Okay, so you guys shut down most of my ideas here. So why don't we flip this around? <laughs> um, I mean, don't forget, minutes. Jeff, we got Jamie Meter from from the Browns. You know, yeah. We got everything we need. Schneider did talk about him, like, out of the blue. He seemed excited about him. But, yeah, how about a couple names from you guys, guys that you guys have maybe, like, targeted or knowing what Seattle's per, kind of perspective is on free agency. How about a couple names now that we know – better idea of their situation compared to the last time we talked about it. Maybe just bounce some ideas around the room. Who are you guys liking and who do you think are the ideal targets for this team? Brian, let's start with you. Well, I mean, let's, it's hard for me to go just general. Like if I, I'm going to look at, uh, let's look specifically at, at, at secondary to start with. Yeah. Um, I mean, we talked about, about Weddle. Um, I, I still think he's got something. He'd be someone I'd definitely check in on. Um, I'm intrigued by, uh, you know, I'm intrigued by um, uh, Darian Stewart as well. Um, he was just released uh, from the Broncos. You know, he's a little bit older, but I think uh, an interesting free safety player. I, I'd be fine with Honey Badger. I, I think I read something from him that it, 
just gave me the impression that he was not going to be a likely target or you're likely to sign with a team like Seattle. But um, I mean, I think, I think he's a playmaker. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm kind of just curious to see how that, that group plays out from, um, from a, uh, offensive line perspective. I mean, I, I think I've covered some of these guys before. I still think that, um, guard is an area that the Seahawks should look to do better than DJ Fluker and, um, and Sweezy. I think, uh, you know, I would, I would kick the tires on, on, uh, Roger Saffold and just see, I don't think at a 31 year old, you know, probably expensive guard, that's probably not where I'd want them to go, but depending on his price tag, James Carpenter is interesting. So anyway, I could go on and on. I don't want to take all the names, but um, uh, if I was to prioritize position, you know, I think safety is to me like the, the first place I'd want to go to at least feel like I've upgraded that the talent based on the talent available, the need the Seahawks have, um, and where they can potentially be set spending draft picks, that would be where I would go first. I think the number one player that's under the radar for me, and I could see as a legit, um, almost like a Bradley McDougal type signing, is uh, Jason, and I don't know how to say his last name. It's either Verrett or, you know, the Chargers. Yeah, the quarterback. The quarterback the yeah, so obviously we know – um, talented player, but has really, really struggled with injuries over the past two, two and a half years. Um, tore his ACL last year, I believe, in game two um, of 2018. Uh, he's 28 years old. You know, he's a Pro Bowl player when healthy. Um, I think he's somebody you could sign really, really cheaply and add competition to that corner group. And if he turns it around, hey, you know, suddenly that corner group ain't looking so bad. Um, that's one player that comes to mind for me. Um, another player I was thinking of, um, there's also Bryce Callahan from the bears. He's a slot corner, but it'll be interesting to see what the, what the Hawks do with Justin Coleman. He's kind of a player that fans aren't really talking about too much, but could end up getting a decent amount of money in free agency. Um, but that's my num number one under the radar signing. That'd be really awesome. Uh, one name to throw out there, I'm curious, you know, is Dante Fowler. Yeah. 25, you know, former high high pick, um, basically a pure pass rusher, also a bit of a bit of a head case, it seems like. Um, and enough questions around his kind of personality and character traits that I don't know that he's going to command a ton in the market. Um where are you and where are you guys out on someone like him? I am not a big Fowler guy, but if there's a big ticket guy to go after, he kind of makes the most sense just from a age and profile um, perspective. Uh, I thought he was better with St. Louis than I expected him to be, but he also was in a great situation there. Um, so he's, he's kind of intriguing. I, I, like I said, I don't really like him that much. Um, you know, only ended up with four sacks on the year. Haven't really, you know, converted on that potential. And even as a prospect that wasn't wild about him, but just the age and everything, that's one where, you know, you can kind of squint at it and see he might be someone worth, you know, pursuing a little bit aggressively. 
15 games, 30 tackles, uh, four sacks, five tackles for losses, six QB hits, two forced fumbles, and two fumble recoveries. Um, Pro Football Focus rated him as the number 53 edge defender. Um, the, all, all I know is the Rams pretty much will not be able to compete with extending him since they have such little cap space. I think they're dealing with like teens in terms well, of the, space. There is a 23 year old, you know, highly thought of defensive end that just hit the market. His name is Malik McDowell. Um, I don't know if just <laughs> going there. Uh, no, seriously. Uh, there are a couple other names that that came to mind for me. Um, oh, sorry, I lost them after my joke. Uh, oh, where was it? Um, so Ethan Westbrooks from the Rams um, is a guy that I don't think he's your top frontline guy, but he's been stuck behind a lot of players in the Rams defensive line. He's 28. I think he's interesting, and an old name, but not an old man. Um, Benson Mayoa, 28. Um, again, I think those are the kind of mid-tier guys that could have some upside that that are worth uh, worth spending some time thinking about. What do you guys think of Bradley Roby, the cornerback from Denver? Um, when they, the year they drafted, I think it was it was the 2014 draft. I think the year they traded out for Teddy Bridgewater. Apparently, Roby was their free agent target. I mean, their draft target, and he went one pick before them, right after the Denver Super Bowl. Would he be a guy that makes sense, or is he going to get priced down? Yeah, Evan doesn't seem impressed. What's his, yeah. uh, what's his height weight? He, he was a guy that a lot of people believed they were going to take in 2014. He kind of got exposed this year once he got more playing time, when Tlaib got traded. But I've always thought he was like a, a scheme fit. Yeah, he's interesting. I mean, only... He had 31 and a half inch arms. He's 5'11", 195. Um, at least that's what he was at the combine. Um, I mean, again, to me, it's just all about the price. <laughs> all right. So, Nathan, who do you want? There's I mean, some guys that make sense. You know, I like the idea of, you know, there's a lot of guys that make sense. Uh, it, it really just is about price for me. If you can tell me what everyone's going to end up signing for, then I could tell you who I would want, right? Um, and I mean, that's a little like, I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty, I guess, but I just don't think there's any real blue chip guys out there that it's worth going and, and, and committing a lot of cap to and spending a lot of money on. And so, you know, Seattle should, I think, just kind of be smart and look to fill. Um, and yeah, it's just going to be about finding those guys that kind of slip through the cracks. Are there, I mean, maybe a, a more helpful thing to, to think about, Nathan, is like, which which are the players that you feel like your guesses are going to be, you know, um, appropriately valued or potentially have upside? There's going to be a reason why, why maybe they'd be undervalued in market. That'd be one way to, to talk about these guys. And the other, are there any guys that you feel like are worth actually spending a premium on and actually, you know, I don't... Is there any guy that anyone here feels like the Seahawks should actively go after on day one where they're spending top of the market money? Like, I'll say that I don't. There's no one that, that for me, I think the Seahawks should be doing that for. Nope. No, I don't, I don't have anyone on my list, sir. No, I don't either because the two biggest positions they probably should be addressing, pass rusher and 
safety. There's good depth. So they can sit back, like Nathan's been saying, and probably wait on these guys and see who falls through and be more selective, right? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting depth on the defensive end side. I mean, Marcus Golden is another name, 28. You've got Robert Quinn, who's another name. Um, I never was a big fan of Coney Ely, and they've had plenty of chances to get him. But um, you know, he's another name. Like, there's a pretty long list of guys there um, that are in the – oh, and the guy I've always kept coming back to, Christian Covington, that would be a guy that I would love to see. He's 25, defensive tackle. He's probably a day one guy. He's the kind of guy that that uh, will get more money than he's probably worth, but um, you know that'd be a guy I'd be really excited to see if if they uh, if they they named him. So I want to touch on this quickly, uh, Evan. You had a very strong take. You never do that on Twitter about uh, DJ Fluker and Jr. Sweezy. We haven't really talked much about Seattle's own free agents. There's there's a lot of them: KJ Wright, Earl, those two, Coleman. So expand more on your take on Fluker and Sweezy. You are very strong in the amount of money that they do not deserve. Oh, I was like wondering for what <laughs> for a you second. You can't keep track of all these. But. It was. I, I, I don't think it's that strong of a take. Um, it got a pretty negative reaction, but I don't think paying uh, DJ Fluker or JR Sweezy over like a few million a year, like three to four max, is anything ridiculous to ask. Um, DJ Fluker was surprisingly good in pass pro. He like ranked 18th. Um, JR, I was shocked to see how bad JR Sweezy was once I dug into the numbers postseason. Um, if I had to choose, I'd, I, I would retain Fluker and I would go after um roger saffold for left guard i think if you can pull in that rams guard slot him in at left guard and give fluker another year at right guard suddenly that offensive line it's not amazing but you know i that left side would be pretty decent and yeah i, I think to circle back around though i i would feel really uncomfortable paying dj fluker anything over three to four million dollars a year um, J.R. Sweezy, anything over 2.53. He, I mean, J.R. Sweezy was pretty bad. Um, I, I, I think he's somebody you could bring in back to compete for the position, but he was not good enough that he was like a must extend type player. Um, I'd be, like I said, I'd be really disappointed if they gave either of those players any more than a few million dollars. Yeah. And yeah. one position. Yeah. Brian, you touched on that in our uh, last article, right? Yeah, I just feel like a broken record about about that. Yeah, Fluker, like I love him as a player. You know, in terms of the fit and the kind of attitude he brings, I just I really have questions about his durability. And um, you know, if I had to choose one, I'd rather get Sweezy just because of the durability. I think, um, but. Eric Cush is interesting enough on the totem pole that I don't think it'll cost a lot, but he's young enough to still be interesting and I think has some upside. Um, you know, even guys, I mentioned Levitri, I've come back to him a bunch. Uh, Ramon Foster uh, from Pittsburgh. Like, I think there's some other guys out there that are are interesting. And, and uh, it's, I agree with Evan very much that they should not feel like they have to spend a ton of money on the guard position. I think they should be able to get 
some reasonable deals given the age and and some of the injury history of some of these guys. Yeah, it's hard hard to argue that this has been a very logical and realistic show so far. <laughs> kind of upsetting, but one area we haven't really talked about at all. I mentioned Tyrell Williams briefly. One of the big stories to come out of the combine from the Seahawks perspective was Doug Baldwin's health. Yeah, he's already had what two surgeries, shoulder and knee. He's 31 years old. His future remains a little unclear with dealing with a lot of injuries. So I guess, Nathan, we'll get to you on this because you want to see the team pass more. You want to see them. How do you want to see them address the receiver position going into this offseason? Maybe it's a drafting. I know you start digging into the draft. Where do you want to see them go, a receiver? Yeah, I mean, I'd love to see them draft a receiver. Um I think that just makes sense. Even if, if Doug's good to go this year and even next year, you know, I, I think the, the clock is ticking on him. Um, uh, I, I, you know, I, when I came out about those surgeries and stuff, I tweeted out that like, and I think Pete Carroll said that, you know, they're counting on him or something. I, I, I don't think it's, I got a lot of flack for it, but like they should not be counting on Doug Baldwin for anything at this point. Um, just age and everything. And, and so, um, Drafting somebody to eventually kind of take that spot makes a lot of sense. Um, there's There are guys I really like. Um, Hakeem Butler is really interesting. Um, tested a lot better than I think people expected him to. Um, Emmanuel Hall has some kind of Tyler Lockett to him. Um, tested really, really well. Um, so there, there it's a, uh, I don't think there's a, a ton of top-end talent at wide receiver in this draft, but there is some deep talent there. Um, and so I think that's a great option for them if they want to go that route. Um, in terms of like free agents, uh, you know, I, I've said a couple times that John Brown's a guy that I think kind of fits their mold for what they've looked like. Um, in in the CBS article, you know, they're talking about him getting maybe eight or nine million a year. Uh, I wouldn't do that for him. Um, and I, I think that wide receivers are typically pretty overpaid, um, which just you know reinforces the idea of trying to go through the draft and finding someone maybe a little early and and, and grab on someone there. Yeah, wide receivers, some of the top guys are going to get crazy money. Like Golden Tate's asking for like $13 million a year. Cole Beasley wants $10 million. Adam Humphreys wants like $12 million. So I think the draft's a good place to go for Seattle. I know there was some talk this week of like Jermaine Curse coming back. Does anyone see any value in that? Oh. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know what's going to be really fun, Jeff, is when the Seahawks go out and sign – Cordero Patterson so that they can have their wide receivers running the ball as well. That will, uh, that will really get Nathan and, uh, Ben. I actually like that idea, but they're going to go the wrong direction with it. (laughs) (laughs) That would be, Uh, I guess one of the other positions we haven't really touched on yet is KJ Wright spot. I know. I think most of us assume he will be priced out of Seattle for a minute because that would be a bad pickup. Because, I, look, I love David Moore, and I think he's got a great chance of becoming uh, a very good player. Uh, this team would have been much better last year with Jermaine Curse on it than David Moore. Oh, stop it! David oh. Moore had, like, his catch rate was, like, 50%. Like, he's young. Uh, he is not... He's not, you know, a, a, a really polished me. contributor to this team. You're going to try and tell me you replaced David Moore with Jermaine Curse in the 2018 season, and you're telling me there's a noticeable difference. Yes. 
<laughs> of course there is. I mean, yeah, and more drops, maybe. Maybe. Moore had a 49% catch rate. How many of those were catchable balls, though? I, I, I don't know. But I mean, still, like, I, I don't think David Moore was a very polished player. No. Um, he wasn't. And I think, and it doesn't have to be Jermaine Curse, but I think if you replaced him with a more professional receiver, which is what Jermaine Curse was, like, people want to knock him for a bunch of stuff, whatever. He was usually in the right place. Russell had trust in him. I think that they are a measurably better team with Jermaine Curse on it last year. And if David Moore doesn't end up taking a step forward, having a player like Curse could be helpful. There's no doubt the Seahawks need to look at receiver. I mean, do you guys want to know who's on the Seahawks roster currently at receiver? Like, assume for a second, let's just take the worst case scenario that Doug Baldwin, that they can't count on him, like, like Nathan was saying. Then you're talking about Jerron Brown, who should be cut. Amara Darbo, who should be cut. Still around. Who was cut and just came back as like yeah. an IR guy, right? Tyler Lockett, oh, yeah. who's great. David Moore, who's got potential, but is a rotational player. He's not a frontline starter yet. Keenan Reynolds, who's a practice squad level player. Caleb Scott, practice squad. And Malik Turner, who I think could actually be a contributor. But, I mean, the coverage pretty freaking bare. Yeah, so, I got the sense from the beat writers that they want to add – this position is a higher priority than people are thinking. I think draft, they're going to go somewhere around two to four, and I think they're going to be in on free agent guys, maybe some of the middle or lower tier. I got that sense reading a bunch of different guys last week. Yeah. So I feel like I should call out that Jermaine Curse actually had a lower catch rate than David Moore last year. <laughs> uh, I like, hey, celebrate the honesty <laughs> there. Uh, yeah, nice. Not confirming the priors. I love it. But my, my point is, I guess, you know, someone like Jermaine Curse, who is a professional receiver, uh, that is going to be very cheap. Like Jermaine Curse is interesting because of his price tag. Um, and it does not have to be Jermaine Curse. There may be better options than Jermaine Curse. But again, just finding somebody that's a little bit more polished that has that is like on a vet men deal. Okay, that, I'm gonna throw out I'm gonna team. throw out some some wild names here on the receiver side. All right. Twenty-five year old Devin Funches. I actually think there's going to be more hype around him than you think. I'm curious. I mean, he's a big body, drops like crazy. Like, I don't know why anyone's going to pay him frontline money, but he's an interesting target. And here's another one that nobody, I don't think anybody's talking about. 26 years old, Black Mamba, DeAnthony Thomas. Could he be a guy that the Seahawks... They already have a better version of the empty Thomas like Taylor, Taylor Gabriel catching short passes and, and taking them longer. They, they already have J.D. McKissick, and they don't use him. <laughs> Thomas is another another level athlete uh, compared to McKissick. That is not really true, actually. I'm going to pull up the combine numbers real quick. He disappointed, though, in the testing, which maybe, you know, admittedly it's not everything, but. Yeah, and Carroll is a big DeAnthony Thomas fan. For what it's worth, he killed him in that KC game a couple years ago that they lost. 
Mm-hmm. What, what, all right, just take a guess. What do you think DeAnthony Thomas's forty time was in the uh, in the combine? Four four. Anybody else want to take a guess? Say what? Brian is wrong, so you can't do worse. <laughs> four, four five. Four five. Yeah, yeah. He is a guy that did not actually test well, which is part of why he ended up, uh, I think, not doing as well. Yeah. Well, but what what has he done? Like anyway. Well, I I'll keep looking there. So he he doesn't he doesn't float your boat. Um, he approaches though. This doesn't this doesn't address the position seriously moving forward. This is like stopgap. But what about a guy like JJ Nelson, twenty seven? That guy is a, is a deep threat. Great. I mean, he's really an interesting receiver. I I personally found I, I thought he was uh, a real weapon for for the Cardinals until they didn't ha- didn't have a quarterback that could throw to him. And you could have you could get Kelvin Benjamin and he could eat a couple receivers along the way. Like might as well bring Eddie Lacy back too then. <laughs> no, I, I'm curious about JJ Nelson. I think he's an interesting name. I think uh, DeAnthony Thomas is is uh, is interesting. Um, you know, as as kind of an under the radar, wouldn't cost a ton. Um, Wasn't like Chris Conley really sparked up, twenty six yeah. years old. Okay, how about this? We haven't asked them anything on the negative side. What's the worst mistake the Seahawks could make? We all like to bag on their front office. They've made a lot of free agent mistakes in the last couple of years. The comp pick thing blew up in their face this year. They don't have any. They only have four picks right now. There's a lacy jokel year. There's been a lot of bad free agent mistakes. We've talked about Bradley McDougal a lot. That's probably one of their better moves. What's the worst thing they could do? Like worst realistic or like worst possible? Both. Like we wouldn't have expected them to sign Luke Jokel for eight million dollars on day one. The worst, like, like looking at their history, thing that they could do is make a trade for one of these top line receivers and mortgage their future to do it. Mm. These, that, that, like, that's the, you know, I would be the only way that they win the Antonio Brown sweepstakes is to never buy a ticket. Like, just ah. Uh, I'm really hopeful that, that that we do not get some something to emerge there. Um, I hopefully that that's not going to be the case, but that's one that comes to mind. That report that they seriously considered it internally makes me nervous. I mean, they shouldn't seriously did. consider that stuff, though. No, they shouldn't. Why? They, why would they consider the, every everything about the Antonio Brown situation says no for the Seahawks? So you would not trade for him under any circumstance. I mean, I wouldn't give up anything higher than a third-round pick. Okay. What if they offered Penny for Brown? I would not give up our superstar offensive player. <laughs> nice try, Jeff. Nice try. Well, you said anything above a third-round pick. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's more of like a emotional team chemistry mismatch that would not work out super well. But, I mean, I, I – th- yeah, I, I think that it does make sense to seriously consider it, though. But from a perspective of like way, like he's obviously very good. He's been very productive, but there's obviously risks. He's got eight, this, you know, his age as well. So yeah, I would hope they would seriously consider it and talk long and hard about 
okay, potentially a very good player is available, but what are we actually willing to spend on him? It's it's not an easy, you know, answer. I, I think it'll be interesting to see what they get um, in return for him. Just because I don't know if you guys saw that tweet by Schefter today that or maybe it was yesterday, that the Steelers were put, putting like a hard deadline on Friday. That's classic like team org working through like the media asking for like shaking the tree for any last offers. Um, it'll just be interesting to see what they get in terms of draft capital. Getting back to one of the worst things that they could do, I really think paying one of these receivers a lot of money would be just a really poor investment. I mean, we we know how much they like to pass. They, they tend to prefer to limit that. Um, these receivers that are out there aren't that special and you know, they're going to get a lot of money. Um, not that that would be disastrous or anything like that. Like, I mean, obviously giving like James Carpenter $20 million a year would be terrible, but you know, kind of in the realm of what could they realistically do? I think, you know, if they give Terrell Williams $12 million a year, I think that would be a pretty big mistake. Um, and, well, and he's I mean, a guy that maybe could end up being worth $12 million a year on a different team. Yeah, I mean, think about their history beyond just the trades. They spent top dollar on Sidney Rice, right? Like, they, they have shown time and again that they, they basically know they have to overpay to acquire receivers because receivers aren't going to make – they're not going to make numbers here that's going to allow them to go somewhere else and, and cash out necessarily. Although Golden Tate's, you know, done well for himself that way. So, you know, there is a lot of history behind uh, ex expecting them to go and pay reasonably large numbers for, for a receiver one way or another. I mean, I wish the one thing that fans have no insight into, we have some guesses, but we don't know for sure, is the trade market. Like, that has definitely been an avenue that, that Schneider has been willing to take before. And I am really curious if, if you know, if there's anything optional there, um, you know, are there any players that the Seahawks might be trading to try to gain draft picks even ahead of time or, you know, um, you know, vice versa. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of curious about how that, how that might play out as well. They don't have a lot of guys that I think that they could get much in return, like in terms of draft capital, but I think that they've got guys like Naz Jones and a few others. I mean, um, I think at one point we talked about maybe looking at moving on from, Quill, um, you could see what kind of you know value a King King might have in a player for player deal. Um, you're hoping somebody is kind of paying pretty close attention at that point if you're talking about a guy like a King King. But there are some of these guys that are kind of youngish and potentialish, and that maybe you could flip for somebody else's youngish potentialish guy at a position that fits a little bit better for what you need. Yeah, yeah, it's really hard for them to make a trade, right? They don't they have four picks, they want to get more. Unless they're taking on someone else's bad contract, which they have the room to do. It's hard to imagine them finding ways to make a trade. I mean they're not gonna get anything substantial in terms of draft without just trading back. Like, that's how exactly. they're gonna get more picks. Unless they trade Bobby Wagner. Well, which they should do. <laughs> uh all right, so my list that I tweeted this out of few no, a couple weeks ago now. So I think that the guys that they could really look to trade, and again, I think these are guys going to be more valuable in player-for-player player deals and just trying to get draft capital, but it's um, Naz because he's in the doghouse. Posick because he's potentially not very good. 
hasn't been able to win a starting spot. Britt, because of his age and contract. Um, Fant, depending on what they think um, Fetty is worth, or vice versa, right? If they are bought in on Fant, they could look to move Fetty. Um, McKissick is a guy that's kind of rotting here that may have some value. And like I said, a King and maybe less so Quill, depending on how they see those two guys. Well, they could sign Nick Foles and trade Russell too. Don't forget that. They could, yeah. They could, they could maybe find a way to bring back Magoo and then get rid of Russell. I mean, Paxton Lynch is already there, ready to step in. He has a lot of potential, according to Pete. Ah, <laughs> uh, snark, snark, snark. Uh, Actually, that was a terrible question it. on the the part of whoever asked that question. What were you think? What did you see when you signed Paxton Lynch, or what? what like, what is he going to say? I don't know, dude. We wanted a third quarterback, and they're all and crappy right now, and he was the best of the bunch. We, we took a gamble. Like <laughs> yeah. Those press conferences were terrible. Did any of you guys watch those? I think no. there was one interesting question. They didn't ask anything about the passing game. They didn't ask anything. For those people who listen to our show and you guys are beat writers, I, I, you got to ask these guys these questions. You got John Schneider, Pete. They haven't spoken months. Not one question about the passing game. I was very disappointed to see that. Yeah, I like a local. At, but you know, local national media. I I think that John like has changed drastically from his first year as a GM to now in terms of what he's willing to say. He used to be an open book and he used to give away so much information, and didn't seem to hurt him. <laughs> like they had their best years back then. Uh, from a talent acquisition standpoint, but now he is very cagey and he just doesn't say anything. Like so, I don't know that even better questions would have helped. But I agree with you, just from a job integrity standpoint. Um, yeah, uh, not not great. What do you guys make of the Kyler Murray stuff? I know we don't. Do you want Arizona to draft him? Do you want to see him in the division? I know this topic's been beaten down if you've watched any ESPN show for like five minutes, but do you want to see them trade Josh Rosen? What do you guys make of this? I don't want him in the division. Uh, I think he's really good. He was the one guy that if the baseball thing or if for whatever reason the height thing got him down to Seattle's pick, he would be a guy that I would draft and trade Russell. Um, he'd be someone that I'd be, I'd will, I'd be willing to consider that. But uh, uh, I, So yeah, I don't want to see him playing against us that's going to be miserable it kind of surprises me to see arizona you know consider shipping rosen so quickly doesn't it like one year of badness but their whole team was bad their whole offensive line was trash Uh, it it just kind of surprises me to see them i i know i know kyler murray is available and they're losing their mind about that and you know he's He's, he's a really cool talent and all, but, you know, they invested the top 15 pick or whatever in Josh Rosen last year. Do you, I mean, are, are we sold on Josh Rosen being bad is, is, is I guess what I'm saying. Well, they didn't, the people that are there didn't invest in him, right? The Cardinals did invested in Rosen, but is Steve Kime still there? Yeah. Okay. So Kime's still there. Okay. But it, he's not, um, crap, the quarterback. Or the 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 former quarterback coach now, uh, Kingsbury. He's not Kingsbury's guy, and I don't know. I, I don't know that he was that great of a prospect. I mean, he's a quarterback, so he went high, but he went. He was the fourth quarterback taken 
he went behind Josh Allen. Like a lot of that was for some silly stuff about how the NFL evaluates personalities, but um, I'm not sold that he's bad. I thought in that, um, especially that first Cardinals game, he had some nice throws um, against Seattle. Uh, but I don't think he's someone that you um, are just like, you're just ride or die with at this point. I, I don't know how anyone could look at Rosen from last year and say, that's a future franchise QB that like lifted his team in any way. I mean, and that's not a huge knock on him because I think the team was clearly really bad. Uh, but even, even Troy Aikman is rookie year when they were like one in 15 or whatever they were like, you could see the talent. Like it, it was obvious. It just, it just wasn't coming together yet. Um, I don't see that with Rosen. I think, Rosen's most likely career trajectory is, you know, a bottom half of the league starter for a team or, you know, maybe a backup. Um, I don't think he's a guy that I'd bet a franchise on, especially if you've got another guy um, available to you that does look like he has star potential. So I, I, I wouldn't be, you know, shocked if Rosen becomes a better player. And I didn't see anything that made me think he was like a total waste but um i wouldn't hesitate at all if i'm the cardinals and i think i could i could upgrade that position i'd do it in a second especially if i think i could net some draft picks for another top five quarterback you know um that i could use elsewhere on the team you know why wouldn't you do that yeah if that happens it gets scary because then the niners probably get bosa the cardinals probably get kyler murray and does that make the Rams? Are the Rams in trouble now? I know, Brian, you wanted to touch on this. Um, Saffold's probably going to leave. We've talked about that. They didn't retain their center, John Sullivan. What do you make of the Rams going into this offseason where Evan mentioned their cap situation earlier? And they also they lost, they lost Mark Barron. They cut Mark Barron as well. Um, not, like, super critical to what they do, but was a useful piece that they were able to deploy in that defense. Um Someone was able to track Russell down on scrambles. Although looking at how Russell's been uh, uh, thick around the middle of this offseason, maybe it's not as impressive when people catch him anymore. Um, but uh, and they also have Lamarcus Joyner, you know, is gone. Um, so look, even if the only thing that changes between the Rams between this year and next year is that forty percent of their offensive starting offensive line turns over. That's a huge, huge change. Like that's the best offensive line or one of the couple best offensive lines in the game that had a lot of continuity, um, good mix of veteran, you know, talent with younger talent. And uh, I don't know. I think that's big. You've got the, the Todd Gurley question marks regarding his, his uh, health. And I know that the Nathan doesn't think it matters at all, um, but I – you know, the guy scores touchdowns like crazy, and C.J. Anderson had a good couple games. I'm not convinced that's a large enough sample size to assume that he and Gurley are totally interchangeable. So I think there's a ton of question marks, and we don't know what Cooper Cup's going to be like when he comes back from this injury. Like, is he going to be the same player? So you know, when when uh, Doofus behind center has does not have the same – blocking pass blocking and pass protection that he had the last two years i don't know that i believe that that uh he's capable of being the same kind of quarterback is it crazy to think they could regress to eight and eight i think that's pretty crazy really 
you got the best defensive player in the last 15 years, maybe 10 years. Like, I mean, he's like unreal dominant. Um, and you've got a great offensive mind as a coach who's yeah. going to team open players and, and find ways to accentuate strengths. But yeah, I mean, to me, like nine to 10 wins would seem like that's a pretty big pullback from where they've been. Yeah. I think that's realistic. It'll just be interesting to see how they overcome a lot of those pieces leaving. Sue, Joyner, Saffold, you know, like Coop, you said, coming back from injury. There's some big big names that are on the way out. And, you know, they uh, still got to pay Jared Goff. And their cap isn't exactly getting uh, less tight over the years to come. So it'll be interesting to see how they retain good players. I heard uh, Clayton mention Barron as a possible replacement for KJ Wright. I think he's played more middle linebacker and safety. Do you guys see that as possible? It's possible. Uh, he's a pretty different player from KJ. So that would be, I mean, not that like he's some kind of, you know, scheme. Like he, he would fit, but like just in terms of what they've been, what they've had in KJ, that, that would be quite the change. Um, I I don't think he should be their go-to plan. Like as they should anoint <laughs> him the the replacement. He he's a guy that you could bring in and have some competition with, but he's not an amazing player or anything. You're talking about Baron? Yeah. 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 I mean, I think he's a really interesting athlete um, that could be deployed a few different places. I am curious if if they maybe see him as a safety. Like, could he be a Cam instead of a KJ? Um, that's what he was drafted as in Tampa Bay, but he's kind of found his place as a hybrid um, linebacker. Uh, could be an interesting, you know, Seahawks zig when everyone's zags kind of move. Um, but I, I'm still thinking that they're going to look at Michael Kendricks pretty hard there. Um, and that that could be a pretty affordable plan. So if you, if you could steal one Ram, whether it's Saffold, Fowler, Joyner, Who's the one you'd want to take from that? Saffold. Yeah, him or Joyner. Yeah, Joyner's pretty intriguing too. Yeah. If Saffold was a little bit younger, it would be like an absolute no-brainer. Um, but he's 31. Uh, but, you know, guards, he's, he doesn't have a huge injury history or anything. He's been really pretty good and um, – Guards should be good for at least another five years, yeah, into their mid thirties. So, Saffold's pretty appealing, um, and I think would make a bigger difference from this offense. Like to have a guard that can actually pass block a little bit would be nice. I really like Joiner. I, I don't know if he'll be in their price range, but I remember Jim Nagy and the Seahawks scout was saying he really pushed for the Seahawks to draft him. They didn't want. They didn't find room for him. They already had Earl there. I think he'd be a really good fit. Do you think he could cash out more than Earl? Could he what? Could he cash out more than Earl due to age? Well, he's going to be twenty nine. Oh, is he twenty nine? For some reason, I thought he was like he was, six. He's no. he was twenty eight last year. I assume yeah. he'll be twenty nine this year. Oh, uh, never mind. I take that back. Yeah, nineteen ninety birthday November. He turns twenty nine. Jeez, old man. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
I, I think Saffold would be nice. I, I don't. I mean, the most realistic big name that the the Seahawks could potentially get. I don't know, guys. I mean, I, th I think it's most likely going to be someone on the defensive line side. Um, I don't know if I see them going for anybody. I mean, I guess they could go for one of the the big name, uh, you know, veteran safeties that we we're talking about. So in that sense, it would be a big name. But like. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's going to be a quiet probably day one, maybe day two of free agency for the Seahawks. Um, but, uh, you know, the second week could be pretty interesting seeing what happens with the guard market. That's My eyes are going to be on the safety market and the guard market. Those are the two things that are going to probably have the biggest impact on whether the Seahawks are, you know, better next year or whether they're just treading water. Where do you think Earl ends up? I know people are saying now Dallas might be priced out because they have so many guys to sign this year. Is, is it San Fran? They got to be the favorites, right? Because oh, God, I mean, I think he just wants to cash out right now, and they're they got a ton of cap space, and they need him, and it just makes a lot of sense. I'm telling you guys, Earl Thomas, Richard Sherman, oh. top pick. Capable quarterback. Do we know he's a capable quarterback? Uh, running back at the back was really good. Um, they're gonna. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they were one of the ones that trade for Antonio Brown. I'm just telling you, watch out for that team. Well, Earl could give us the finger two times a year. <laughs> you yeah. got that might be a. It would be interesting to see how much people, uh, Seahawks fans, would hate Earl and whether it would it would any approach anywhere near the hatred that they have for for Sherman. And I, I don't think it would, but it would be kind no. of interesting. no, it wouldn't. Yeah, at least I don't think so. Uh, well, there's other news that happened before we we kind of wrap up. What are the other big news items that have happened this week uh, that we're missing? DK Metcalf is really fast. He is. He's got like a freaky. Like we didn't talk about the combine much. That's true. Seahawks interviewed Kyler Murray, right? They did. Yeah. Uh, Charlie Casserly is getting eviscerated on social media right now. <laughs> For what? What did he do? Uh, have you not seen this? So he came out. I think he had some piece about how teams were really soured on Murray's uh, interviews, um, saying that they were like the worst of all time. Or I don't know. Something they're bad. Uh, and um, people started trotting out the old Belichick thing about how nobody's been wrong more than Charlie Casserly. And, uh, yeah, he's getting buried right now. Is there a, is there a local guy that any of you guys are interested in seeing the Seahawks draft? Like, you know, rap or, I mean, Byron Murphy's probably way out of range. Um yeah. yeah, there's a couple of UW guys. I mean, Rap's interesting. Caleb McGarry is interesting. Um, those those two, I think, would be uh, it'd be pretty interesting. Rap is really interesting because I like him as a player, and I, I miss the Collins talk. Uh, I don't think Collins is um, someone that Seattle should pursue at all. I think he would be an upgrade, but he, you're going to spend so much money for uh, an upgrade that you could get for a lot cheaper if you go went and just got a true free safety. Um, Rap is a strong safety. 
um, but he's versatile and he could play free safety. So he's interesting. So he's not a perfect scheme fit, um, but he's a fun player. And then, and then McGarry just looks pretty good. Offensive lineman um, could be an Effetti replacement, which I think everybody would welcome. So I would be super happy if the Seahawks drafted Greg Gaines. (laughs) I, I love that guy. Uh, he like he and and Janikowski share a contest about you know whose head has more trouble fitting in a helmet. But uh, uh, he's he's essentially a run stuffer. But I actually think he's got a little bit of of uh, pass rush potential to him. A little redundant was Puna. Yeah, I know it's probably not going to happen. But I would be happy to cheer for him on the Seahawks. What about Dillard, the right tackle at Washington State? Or yeah, I haven't been a draft pick. I think he's a good player. I don't see him. I don't want them to spend a draft pick on an offensive lineman right now, honestly. Like I, unless it's like, I don't know. Especially tackle. I think they're in really good shape there. I think they've got Fant and they've got um, Jamarco Jones. They still have a Fetty, uh, unless they can figure out some way to flip him. Um, another tackle. I just. These have got so many other places. I, that's not where I want them to spend capital. Jamarco tackles Jones. isn't a bad idea, though. You can always slide guys inside. Have you seen what happens when a Fetty slides inside? I've seen him at tackle, too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Were you going to ask something about Jamarco Jones? Yeah, I just I, could he end up being the starting right tackle for, for 2019? It's crazy to think, but maybe. It's a long shot. It is a long shot, mainly based on like the coaching staff's history with the yeah. things. Um, yeah, I, I I'm really I'm curious. I'm really hoping that uh, I get some signals uh, in a month from now when I see some of those guys that uh, that George Fant's going to get a real shot to to compete for right tackle. He's never really been given a real shot. It feels like. And there's been some injury stuff last year. He didn't even really have an off season. He was, uh, he was in rehab. So I I mean, this would be the season for him to really have a chance to step forward. Yeah. Yeah. People probably play him a tight end now. (laughs) All right, guys, anything else we want to cover? I think we've, I think we've hit it, man. Um, Yeah. We'll have a lot more to talk about next week, right? I know. I, I I'm thinking we're we're gonna want at least uh, tentatively have a show next week. Um, let's see how it goes. Um, can also take 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 it to the following week. But people should keep keep an eye out if they haven't already. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. You get notified as soon as we create an event, so you know what's coming up when we're gonna be on, and when we have to cancel for any random reason. Uh, again, you can also subscribe. Uh, uh, on any of your podcast apps, iTunes, Google Play, um, uh, Stitcher, uh, you know, and uh, Spotify. Um, and then uh, join on Patreon. Um, had a great year again there. Gonna, uh, getting closer to making our contribution, our annual contribution to Ben's Fund. Um, and uh, at the Seahawks auction, people that are patrons We'll get a chance to be called by Seahawks players and coaches. So uh, you sign up, not too late. Uh, get your name on the list, and I'll start gathering a wish list of who you want to talk to and get a phone call from. Um, so that's at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com uh, slash Hawk Blogger. 
And aside from that, I hope everyone's having a great off season. Keep the, the hot stove hot and uh, uh, go Hawks.